Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. So I remember sitting, I was in this big, huge, monstrous group of people, and it was this big circle of chairs, and most of them were older and way more spiritual than me. Like, these were like spiritual juggernauts and leaders in the church, and maybe you can have the same kind of feeling and this tension that I felt, because we were instructed, we are going to go around the circle, and we all had to pray. So the first guy starts going, and he starts praying, and he starts using words I've never heard before. He's using these monstrously big, huge, it sounds really biblical, theological words, and I don't know what he's saying. It's like he's talking almost like another language. And as he's praying, I'm realizing I'm going to have to try to match this guy or at least say something. And this terror started to fill my gut, and sweat started to pour from my head, knowing for the fact that I am going to have to pray. And as they went, one after the other, each person next sounds smarter than the next person. Like, am I in seminary right now? Like, they are using words that nobody understands unless you have these big, huge, dusty books. And as they're praying and they're talking, this is what I started thinking. First of all, I'm going to sound so dumb. Like, I don't even know what to say remotely close to what they're saying. And so I'm going to sound and look like I have no idea what I'm talking about. And obviously, I'm not spiritual. Like, I'm not like these guys and gals. I can't, I'm so far, like, not even close to them because listen to all the words that they're saying. My thoughts start to, like, grip me, and now I'm starting to process, like, do I fake being sick? Like, think about this. I'm in a prayer circle. Oh, <clears throat> I'm sick. I got to go, right? Or do I, like, like, pretend to faint or like, what do I do to try to get myself out of this situation where everybody's praying and I'm going to look so dumb? I don't know if you've ever had that situation or can relate. Maybe it's in your, a small group of people. Maybe it's just one-on-one and you've had to pray out loud and that fear starts to grip you a little bit. And you're like, you start praying. Your prayer life is, dear God, please don't make me pray out loud, right? That's your prayer life at that point because this fear is starting to grip and it can overtake you. And so what I do know is that the majority of you are terrified to pray out loud. Why? Because most Christians are afraid to. They're afraid for the same reasons I mentioned. Either one, I don't sound smart enough. I don't know what to say. It's not going to sound good enough. And here sits Jason in this circle of theologians, and they're using words like, oh, great El Shaddai, Elohim, who transcends all omnipotence and omnipresence, everlasting God that comes to the sanctification of your saints, to the substitution of your son on the cross. I'm like, what did they just say? And I'm like, uh, hey, you know, like, what would I say? So this is going around, and obviously, I'm not a prayer warrior. I don't pray enough, or I would know what they were saying. Obviously, I don't read my Bible enough, because these words are in the Bible. Some are, some aren't. Obviously, I'm going to be called out, and that I'm not good enough, and now I'm terrified. And my friend next to me, it's coming around the circle, and now it's almost to me, and my friend next to me starts praying. He says this, hey, Dad. Just want to say hi. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for everything you do for me. I can never pay you back. Amen. 
what just happened? He called him dad. You don't talk to the God of the universe like that. He is, he is like the God of the universe. That was the most disrespectful. Like, where's the reverence in that? He didn't use big words. He says, hey, dad. Like, what's up, homie? Like, is, and I had this tension at that moment. Like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is a huge contrast to what I'm hearing because these guys and gals are using all these reverent, huge words. And he's like, what's up, pop? Like, whoa, 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 you can't say that to the God of the universe. And I have no idea what I prayed. I don't remember that. I just remember him saying, hey, dad, changed my life forever. Because that was the first time in my Christian circle that he did not care about what was being said by other people. He spoke to his father the way that he speaks to his father. And the tension that I had, like, is it irreverent? Is it, is it close? Is he that close to him? Well, wait a minute. Isn't father the same thing as dad? And so I went through this big, like, my own little issue with him and, and what he had said. Not against him, but I'm like, wait, maybe I've got this whole thing wrong. Maybe prayer, as I look at it through the scriptures, is supposed to be much more intimate than reciting back huge, monstrous words. And what I actually started to find is that our prayer life, we can say anything, anything that comes out of our mouth, if our heart isn't in the right place, is still garbage. So I can use big, monstrous words, but my heart is wrong, and I'm not connecting to my father. It doesn't matter. I'm not, my heart is wrong. And I could use simple words. If my heart is wrong, it's the same thing. I'm not connecting to my father. And so that changed my view of prayer so immensely because I have been so terrified of it. When I'm talking, I get to talk to the God of the universe, and I get to pray. I don't have to pray. I get to. Think about this for a second. Depending on where your prayer journey is, and we all have different journeys in our prayer life, you have to pray. It's something I have to do. Or you get to pray. It's something I have access and I get to do. I have to pray. Oh, man, if I don't pray, then, you know, like my, I got to work on my spiritual life. I have to. I have to. Uh-uh. I get to. The God of the universe wants relationship with you, and you get to talk to him is a completely different way to process our prayer life. So now as I think of I get to pray, I have access to my heavenly father changes my entire viewpoint of having a relational conversation with him as opposed to a religious event. That's what I mean by religious event. A religious event means that I am doing things that I feel that if I do this, God is going to now be more happy with me, appeased by me. Um, We have a better relation because I'm doing these things. I get to pray means God loves me no matter what, and he's created a pathway to grow our relationship. If I want a relationship to grow, I got to talk to him. We just had Valentine's Day. Great relationship. Give him chocolates and don't say anything, right? Here's chocolates. I'm not going to talk with you. That's not going to work. Guys, it doesn't work if you tried it. You have to have relationship. We need to talk and communicate. And so with our Heavenly Father, he gives us this beautiful pathway for us to be able to communicate and grow the relationship. We get to pray. But then how do we do it? Like, do we use big, monstrous words? Do we keep it simple? Do we pray multiple times throughout the day? Do we just have one big prayer session? And what we're going to learn from the Lord's Prayer is something actually quite fascinating. In the Lord's Prayer, our prayer life can be simple and meaningful. Let me say this again. 
simple and meaningful. There can be days of prayer in which you're praying for hours. There can be prayer, days of prayer in which you spend moments. Simple and meaningful, what we're going to find from the Lord's Prayer. Because the Lord's Prayer, which many of you have heard before, is very short. But each sentence inside of there is so deep and rich with our relationship with God. That's why we're taking six weeks to break down just a few sentences. It is so rich and so beautiful. And it teaches us how to pray and how we have relationship with God and how we revere him as he should be at the same time, the closeness and the relationship come together at the same time. So we're going to dig into this today, but I want to share something with you first from author Ken Bailey. Ken Bailey wrote this book, Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes, Cultural Studies in the Gospel. If you have never had an opportunity, you really want to grow your spiritual life, look at books that take things through Eastern eyes versus Western. Such a fantastic, there's many, much literature out there about this, but our Western eyes don't understand the true cultural context of scriptures. And Ken Bailey is one of those authors. It says this, It is easy to assume that a long prayer equals a good prayer, and a short prayer is an immature prayer. The gospel account, our account of the Lord's Prayer, it contradicts it. He shares this story uh, in his book. After a short prayer concluded, people were just standing around. The director said to him, the author, Is that it? I thought it would be longer. There's an expectation in the world of prayers to be lengthy, but Jesus gets right to the point and shows an effective prayer can be a short prayer. So your expectation when I come up on the stage is like, well, this guy's going to let it rip, right? There's an expectation if you're a pastor, you have all those big theological words. You're going to put them in context. And inside of this context of prayer, like, oh, man, I can't do what he did, just like I felt around the circle. Yes, I understand a lot of theological words, but if you listen to me pray, I'll never use them. Not because I don't want to or I can't or whatever. It's because I want to be understood and I'm going to speak to my Father and my Lord and my Savior as I would speak to anybody. It's the same conversation. So once I start changing my words, things get a little different. So for me, I am a person of prayer that happens in moments throughout my day. It's instantaneous. Uh, I've got like this spontaneous prayer life where I'm like, I say start praying now. Uh, It's going all the time. But this is something that's worked into a rhythm of my life that is not complicated and you do not have to go to school for. It's for everybody, and that's what we're going to explore today. So I'll have you open your Bibles or Bible apps. We're going to get into the Word, Matthew 6. We're going to start with 5 through 8. Before we dig into how to pray, we're going to dig into how not to pray because that's what Jesus teaches us. He's explaining all this, and he starts with this idea, I don't want you to do this, and then he transforms it into this is how we are to pray. Matthew 6, 5 to 8, it says this, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their record, the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, For they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. A couple of points that jump out to us right away. First of all, the people of God pray. He doesn't say, if you pray. He says, when you pray. Let me repeat this again to you. He doesn't say, if you pray. He says, when you pray. Now, for some reason, our Christian culture 
has moved away from the significance and power of prayer. And I'm going to tell you why that's happening. Because of people like me. I'm part of the problem. Here's how I'm part of the problem. I am built by God to go. I'm built to run, 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 run. Build, 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 build. Work, 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 work. And that's part of my relationship with God is like, God, I am your soldier. I am your worker. I'm going to take the world by storm. Let's transform Washington County. Ah, That's me. The problem is, is that I'm always going. And so he's like, Jason, you didn't even ask me if I wanted that done. Because I'm like, look at all these great things I'm doing for you, God. I love you so much. I'm going so hard. Do you see? And he's like, I do, but I want a relationship with you. Because I'm putting in the work, and the problem of people like me is that as I'm going, 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 behind my closed doors, prayer is like, oh, yeah, I should pray about that. I get to pray. And so then I slow down, and I have already have 75 plans made. But then I'm like, oh, God, would you bless this list? Like, what? Is this a relationship? So I'm part of the problem. And pastors like me are part of the problem. And here's the problem more with me. It's a Jason issue day. Here's more of the problem with me. My mentor, which you've heard about, the one who raised me in ministry, Pastor Jerry Worsham in Grace and Racine, he was the opposite. He was a man of prayer. He would come in on, su- on Saturday mornings, and we'd walk by for their work, and we'd walk by, and that man, this humble man, was on his knees in his office praying. There's a million things to do. This is a 2,000-person church, and this man is just on his knees. And then during the week, we had, we had staff prayer. It was like 45 people on our staff at that time. And so we'd have staff prayer, and I'm way too busy serving Jesus to stop and pray because I've got a million things to do. So now, like, I'm working for Jesus And that man would be in that room by himself with 45-person staff. And sometimes there'd be two, three. And he always offered it. He never made us. He just modeled it. And so what the problem is with people like pastors like me is that, yeah, we do so many great things. The problem is that we're not modeling and saying, hey, the very first thing we need to do is prayer. And this has been bugging me for some time. And my spiritual journey is that I've been, I need to first of all pray because that is a card that Pastor Jerry gave us. It's still in my Bible. 20 years later, first of all, pray. Not first of all, go. First of all, pray. It has changed my perspective when I start to slow down. I start my day with prayer. I, start to, I stop when I feel myself like, whoa, let's ask God about this. So in one sense, like I'm that two-year-old toddler that's just always running around the room buzzing And you're like, dude, just sit down and let's talk for a second. That's my spiritual life. I don't know if you can relate. I'm sure some of you can. My first go-to is action. My backup is I should ask about that. You can see where the problems come in. You can see where the problems come in. Because I'm inviting God into my story once I've created it instead of saying, God, let's create our story together. Jesus modeled prayer first and action. He did both perfectly, of course, But our tension point now is that our prayer life must be an action, but it has to be connected with our slowing down. You have to pray. It's not an option. If you don't have a prayer life, your lifeline to the master is going to be like getting it through a straw. It's going to be thin. You're going to say, why aren't I spiritually strong? Why am I struggling with this? Why isn't God answering me? My first question is, what does your prayer life look like? Because Jesus says, when 
you pray. People of God are praying people. And this is why we get frustrated with it. We get frustrated because we don't get what we want. I prayed for that new car. Why didn't I get it? I prayed for that lottery ticket to hit. Why didn't it hit? We pray and we ask God, well, you're not even listening to me. Prayer is not effective. It's not working. I'm not getting what I want, which proves how immature our spiritual prayer lives are because that's not what prayer is about. Prayer is not at all about that. Prayer is as much as humans, we need breath. As followers of God, we need that same need of prayer and conversation connectedness to our Heavenly Father that comes through the slowing down of our time, our mind, our focus on the Master, and being. This is certainly not American culture. Eastern look different. Our Western culture has pushed us to, if you are successful, you create things. But with inside of the scriptures, we say you are successful if you stop moving and pray. And so there's a tension here for us. Because if we aren't praying, we're not going to be spiritual healthy. And Jesus modeled that his entire ministry was hinged on his prayer life. There were times where he's like, you all need to go away. I need to go talk to my father. I understand those kind of moments. Or he will say, this is how you pray. And prayer was such an integral part of his ministry that he, there's no reason for us to say, eh, it looks like it's optional. It's actually part of our life and must be our breath of our spiritual life. But Jesus goes on. When you pray, do not make a big spectacle about it. Don't make a big spectacle trying to get tons of, uh, tons of attention. In our modern prayer circle world, uh, and we have to go around, uh, and we sit there. You can use big, monstrous words if your heart is right. But when you are using words and you're quoting scripture, whatever you're doing to impress people, you are just like the scribes and Pharisees. You're using it so that people give you attention. And when you do that, oh, man, John is so spiritual. I don't know. I've been in those situations after prayer. Did you hear his prayer? It was so eloquent and beautiful. Now, I don't know John's heart, and I'm not going to judge John's heart. But what I do know is Scripture says everything comes through the context of why we're doing it. For the scribes and the Pharisees, they had this huge problem, and they were guilty of vain glory and for vain repetitions. They would do this so that everyone would look upon them in the synagogues, praying and repeating, and they would do this over and over, and they're like, oh, they're so spiritual. They're so connected to God. But when we read the Bible, that's not what Jesus said. He called them whitewashed tombs. He called them stiff-necked people. He's like, you think you are wise, but you are not. And so the active action of trying to get everyone's attention, he says, enjoy the attention you get, but that's it. Now, if you're new to the Christian world, you're new in this journey of being around church people, uh, maybe you haven't seen this. Maybe you haven't seen this. So this might be a new experience to you. Like, wow, I didn't know that actually happened. Uh, it does, because we're humans and we're all messy. And within the, in the, within the American Christian church world, there's great value with knowledge. We love knowledge. And in the American Christian view, we almost worship knowledge. That person's so smart. That person knows so much. So our attention goes to that person. Here's the tension. In prayer, the attention should go to the master. So at any time that we're doing something to take attention away from our master, 
we are sinning because his glory is his own. And that's what Jesus is saying. If you want the fame, enjoy it. You got it. And that's all you're getting. The master's not listening to what you're saying. But if you love God and you're using words that are beautiful and eloquent because you want to talk to him and you're focused on him, that's beautiful. Isn't that weird? You could do the same thing and have different results depending on your heart condition, which is not new for us. We've been talking about this in a lot of our series. Our heart conditions are so important and so key to our journey because when our heart condition is wrong, everything goes wrong with it. Man looks at the outward appearance and God looks at the heart. And so our intentions are just as important as our actions. So you're going to say this. Are you telling me, Jason, that I can be a prayer warrior and I can be wrong? And my answer is yes. Jason, I can be a prayer warrior and everything I'm doing is worshiping God. Yes. Boy, is this a confusing series. Because you can have the same thing happening. But remember, what is your intention for this action? Because this is the same thing as love. I can do loving acts, but my intention is self-serving. I can do loving acts, and my intention is sacrifice and giving, and then I honor that person, I give glory to God. This is so important for you to understand in our journey, because it's not just about doing, it's about intention. And so when we pray, it's the same exact thing. We must always search our heart and our motives because he already knows. God already knows. may look on the outside, but God knows the heart. But he goes on in the passage. Let's look at this again. So I want to go into this whole idea of being alone. Verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. First of all, his people pray. Second of all, clear directive for our prayer life is that it's an intimate relational conversation with God. Prayer is an intimate relational conversation with God. It should be private, intimate, and meaningful. Because in this place, you can't fall trap to getting praise from other people. It's just you and him. You and him. When I'm by myself in my quiet place, there's no opportunity for you to say, oh, our pastor is so prayerful and spiritual. And Pastor Jerry on Saturdays never said, hey, guys, I'm here on Saturdays. I'm here praying three hours. Don't worry. I got this for the entire staff because obviously you guys don't pray. Man, never said a word. We didn't know about it. We would just catch We'd glimpse by his office and just see him. It's just the man that he was. He was a man of rich prayer. And so when we pray, it should be in this quiet place. What else are we supposed to not do? We're not supposed to chant and repeat things. Chant and repeat things. This is something that pagans would do to get their gods to listen to them. They repeat a statement over and over again. They would whip themselves at times to show their sacrifice to their gods, you know, our terms, God, please make me rich. 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 Or if we say something over and over again, which necessarily is in our culture, but we're repeating the same thing that if we say it X amount of times, we're going to get God's attention, and now God's going to say, okay, fine. Like a two-year-old tugging out his pants, like, fine, I'll give you what you want. But that's not what he says. God already knows what you need, 
So just ask him. You say it a hundred times, you said it once. Just ask him for what you need. Do not act the way that other people are acting. That's not their relationship. Their gods are not relational. I am the Lord God Almighty. I am relational. So something we need to understand. What do we do if we don't get what we ask for? This is the number one prayer killer in the world. I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. Jason, you don't understand. For years I've prayed and nothing's come of it. How do we respond to that whole piece? And this is where our faith journey comes in. Inside of our faith journey, there is a key to understand that prayers that seem unanswered to us, remember, he is a good, good father. So when prayers seem unanswered to us, him, he is answering. He's saying, no, sweetie. No, that's not right for you. How many prayers have you had? Like, boy, I'm glad I didn't say yes to that one in your life. I have so many. And there's prayers that I ask, like, why didn't you say yes to that one? That seemed really, really, really important to me. Why didn't you say yes? And so this tension, here's our tension. We have to rest in the fact that God's goodness is going to respond to us in the way that is good, even if it's hard and we don't like it. His answer may be, I don't like this personally. I don't like that you didn't respond. I don't like that you didn't say yes to this. But when we trust God and that he is a good father working for the good of his people and for you, because remember, you're a part of God's entire family and story. And so a no here may be a thread that moves to a yes here, and this yes here now moves to a story that you wouldn't have understood. Understood. I can speak to that in my own story, that I'm standing here by a whole bunch of no prayers. Mosaic was built upon a lot of no's. First of all, God, send me to San Diego. No. Okay, Orlando. No. God, somewhere warm. No. Especially no, right? God, okay, 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 I've got an idea. I've worked hard for you my whole life. These are true prayers. I've worked hard for you my whole life. I've been in ministry. I'm done. I want to make a lot of money now. I've got a great job opportunity. I can make a lot of money. No. Okay, don't like that answer. A lot of no's have moved to beautiful yeses. And in this tension, we go to Romans 8.28. It says this, beautiful verse, if you don't know this one, Romans 8.28 and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to a, his purpose. We know that all things work for good. And so our prayer life now intersects our faith life. Because if I do not believe God is good when I pray and I don't get what I want, I'm frustrated and I stop praying. If I believe God is good, I'm going to bring all my requests to him and keep talking and processing and bringing my frustrations, and my anger, and my joy, and my questions. I keep bringing it to him, knowing that he's a good father, and that he's going to respond to me in a way that's best. And I'd have to trust, even when it hurts, is terrible, I don't like it, it's best. It's something I don't see, and I got to trust that. That's my faith journey. And this, as a pastor I've seen over my 20-some years of ministry, is that when people's faith is brought up against a hard no, or brought up against a place in which they don't like the answer, that's when their faith cracks. That's how you see if your faith is strong, is I don't like this answer, and then obviously God doesn't like me, obviously God's against me, and we start getting these negative thoughts in our mind, or he's not listening to me. Instead, let's change that thought, hang on to Romans 8, 28, and that my faith journey through the no's actually makes me stronger. The faith journey through the yeses is because God is good, and knows what's good for me. The no is good, the yes is good. And so we can't assume because you don't get what you want 
that God isn't listening. He's just smarter than you are. Maybe that's our problem. Do we think we're as smart as God? Like, God, you don't understand. I really, really want this. And let's just call it every parent of teenager in here, just not in agreement. Our no's are usually smarter than our teenagers. Not because we don't love our teens. Not because we're saying, oh, because they're children thinking like a child, acting like a child, and wanting things that children want. And guess what? We are no better. We do the same thing to the God of the universe. But in prayer and our faith journey, when these two intersect, it creates hands that are closed to hands that are open. So if we're supposed to be living this way in this quiet closet, what about our prayer circles? Are you even supposed to pray out loud with big groups of people? And the answer is yes. You are supposed to pray. You are supposed to pray together in groups. You are supposed to come together in small groups and as a church and a church family and pray out loud because this is part of our journey of loving each other and being on journey together. And our prayer time together, I think you're going to figure this out, is all about your heart. What you're saying in that group is about, I'm talking to my father with my friends. My friends are here and so it's kind of like, it's my turn next in line. I walk up to the, to the podium or the light. My friends are here behind me. I'm like, hey, I got to talk to you for a second, God. And I'm focused on him. And now it's my friend's turn. My friend comes up. And I'm like, yeah, I agree with him. I like his thoughts. And so we're doing it together as family. And so prayer time as a group is so important for our journey as well to encourage others, to be encouraged, and to petition and say, hey, God, we're all here as a family. We'd like to talk to you for a few minutes. What's about your heart? You can use big words, but if I'm thinking about the people behind me, I'm not thinking about my father. When I'm thinking about, do they like what I say? Do I sound smart? That's just my insecurities. Instead, I'm like, hey, we're here, Dad. We want to talk to you for a few seconds, and I, we start talking. And so group prayer is about God's ears, not your friends. And if you've ever been in a group and people are praying and saying, oh, amen, or what, they're talking a little bit, if you're new to that, it's kind of like, well, that's kind of weird. What's happening? It's actually a beautiful language that we're just agreeing with you as we're talking to dad with you. We're saying like, yeah, dad, we agree, yes. If someone says, ooh, don't pray that, that no, I'm just kidding, no one ever do that, but it depends what you pray for. But when we are praying and we are praying to our father, our focus is so on him and our friends around us are agreeing to that. It's beautiful, it's family, beautiful piece of prayer. But the problem with group prayer, we have a danger of it turning into self-focused prayer, into saying things that people are impressed with. And I'm just blessed because I've had so many good people in my life. I threw that away years ago. So how I talk is just how I talk, in front of you or not with you. You'll hear I use the word master a lot. That's my love language to him because Lord means master. And so I am putting myself, I like to remind myself and speak to him like, I'm here for you. I'm open-handed. You are my master. You are my God. You are my king. You are my savior. It's by my own will I'm here. You made me and owned me. I'm here for your journey and your story that you have for me. So when I say these things, it's just my prayer life. I say it in my small group. I say it alone. I say it to you. And so that's what we have to always process as we pray together. Who are we trying to impress? I want you to listen to this. This is from the message. The message is a paraphrase of the Bible. It's not a word for word but it takes like a paraphrase and puts it in mod like a modern tongue for us. And in this modern tongue, it helps us understand this passage a little clearer because, again, this is a paraphrase. This is not a word for word, but it gives like a big idea of what's being said in our common language. Listen to this. 
And when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just as there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God, and you'll begin to sense his grace. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with, and he knows you better than what, knows better than what you need. So as we enter into this, is the prayer life one where you talk to your dad? Is there a relationship with him where you can say, dad, father, Lord, my king, my master, God of the universe, whatever, however you approach him, can I just talk to you for a few minutes? You are so great. You are so wonderful. I want your kingdom. God, I'm struggling down here. This place is hard. I want your kingdom to come. But God, you got to take care of me. You got to take care of me. I can't do this on my own. And God, I owe so much to you. But Lord, thank you for forgiving me and help me to forgive the way you forgive. And God, everything's trying to take me away from you. Keep guiding me forward. Show me how to live the way you want me to live. I want to change the world for you and your kingdom. Amen. Listen to this, Matthew 6, 9 and 13, the Lord's Prayer. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we've also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into, into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I just said that in my prayer language. Simple, meaningful, perfect, respectful, honoring, and talking to my papa. Saying, God, we need you. And we'll take the next five weeks to break down each section of this. How do we pray this way? And so if you're a note taker or a recorder or listen on podcast, this is one where you want to keep working this because this is going to be an exercise in prayer. This is not going to be, oh, great speech and go home. You never do that, I know. But that you will take this and start to marinate and build this into your prayer life. So even if you're just starting on the journey or you've been on your spiritual journey for some time, this will transform an element of your prayer, your conversation to your Heavenly Father. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.